If you have your Bibles, we are continuing in our study in the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter number 12. We've been walking through this chapter and walking through this Gospel, uh, investigating the life of Jesus. And in chapter 11 and chapter 12, Jesus has been in the same area, the same place uh, throughout all of this chapter. Um, and uh, he is in, when we left him last week, we left him in the midst of a crowd. Uh, and how many of you know that when Jesus is in the midst of the crowd, it's not a little crowd? It says there were thousands of people that were pushing on each other, trying to, to get in and, and trying to um, uh, be there to see Jesus and, and all of that. And so there's thousands of people there. Jesus comes uh, out. He was actually having a meal with a Pharisee and some lawyers that were there, and that kind of didn't didn't go very well. They kind of got upset that he hadn't ceremonially washed his hands, but then so he decided to lay out for them the hypocrisies that they were dealing with. And then he came out with the crowd there and he addressed his disciples. Instead of talking to the crowd, he talked to the disciples there and, and encouraged them to not fear man. Because the fear of man leads to hypocrisy. When we fear men, when we fear others, it draws us to do what we say we don't believe. It draws us to not have the faith that we say that we have. And of course, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to those who are his followers, those who believe in him there. And in the midst of that conversation, we saw that a man pushed his way through the crowd and maybe even interrupted Jesus and what he was saying and had a question for him. And the question was basically... Uh, Tell my brother, it was a statement, but really asking Jesus to arbitrate there between he and his brother about the inheritance and give me uh, my money. And Jesus spoke to that, not that he could arbitrate what was going on, but spoke to the morality of it and just laid out to this man that he was uh, envious, he was greedy, he was um, wanting what his brother had, he was coveting it. And he spoke to the fact that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to invest in God's kingdom. We're going to see that a little bit more here today as we go through our text uh, there. But that we are to invest in the fi financial aspects of God's kingdom and help out uh, in that so that we can be the hope to the world. When we invest in godly things, what we are really investing in is hope. And hope for the world, the gospel message to be presented for us to reach those in our community and around us here. And so Jesus, still in the midst of this massive crowd, now turns back to his disciples. So he had this, this first word for his disciples, don't fear man. He told the entire crowd that you need to invest in heavenly things and God, God's kingdom there. And now he comes back to his disciples wanting to continue his thought. And as a good teacher does, Jesus takes the element of what he said first to his disciples and what he said to the crowd, and he comp combines them together. So if I can put it to you this way, he says, now remember I said, don't fear man, fear God. Invest, don't invest in the world or the worldly possessions. Invest in God's kingdom, and as my disciples, I want you to hear this. He says, therefore, when he gets into his text, he says, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. Can I ask you a question? Can we be honest in church this morning? How many of you like it when someone says to you, don't be anxious? <laughs> don't worry. There's a phrase that I, I've really picked up in my vocabulary over the last few years. I don't know why it has happened. I don't know if it's just kind of normal in our culture. Maybe you say this as well. But anytime someone says to me, I say to, say to them something along the lines of, no worries, Right? Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. No worries. And I, I don't know. Is that an Australia term? I don't know. Maybe that's where that's come from or whatever. Uh, you know, maybe that's right up there with cowabunga dude, right? I don't, I, I don't know. But 
So no worries. Just try, try to say that. Just, that. just as the phrase there, no worries. And what are we saying? We're saying, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. But Jesus now says in the midst of all of this to his disciples and to us that are followers of Jesus Christ, he just comes straight out and says, don't be anxious. So let's see what Jesus says for us today, what, what he's talking to us about today. In verse number 22 of our text, chapter number 12, and he said to his disciples, Jesus talking to his disciples, and remember, the disciples were a group of about 100 people, all right? It wasn't just the 12 apostles, but 100 people that were there, thousands of people gathered around, so Jesus wasn't just being quiet so that just the disciples could hear, all those standing around heard as well. And he says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. And the ravens is very important there. If you don't know, this was the lowest bird. It was a bird that they didn't think anything about. And he goes to the lowest bird there. And he says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And look at this. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And so Jesus starts off here and says, don't be anxious. And he says, don't be anxious about your life. But then he gets specific here. Because if you remember in this day and age, uh, they didn't get paid by the week. They didn't get paid for a month. They got paid every single day. As a matter of fact, when, when we saw in Scripture when, uh, earlier when he talked about uh, prayer, asking God to give their daily bread. This was, these were things that they were concerned with on a daily basis, daily, to take care of these things. And so Jesus goes to their basic needs here and says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Think about the ravens. Uh, and, and literally what he's saying there, this is kind of funny, this is a little bit play on words. He goes, the ravens don't have a job. When was the last time you saw a raven plowing a field? That's really what he's trying, getting to here. When was the last time you saw a raven go out and actually work? And you say, well, ravens go and find their food. Absolutely, they just go find it. But God's the one who provides it, right? God's the one who brings it to them. God's the one that, that, that does it. He says, consider that. Don't worry about it because God is going to take care of it. And listen, you are much more of much more value as a follower of me as my child, if you will, you are of much more value than a silly raven. But God takes care of him. And he goes on now. Let's drop down to verse 27 this morning. In Luke 12, 27, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. Now again, lilies are wildflowers in this day. He's not going to the flower shop to buy lilies. They're out in the fields. They're flowers that are just out there. They're growing wild all over the place. Consider how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't worry about how they look. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon being one of the richest kings ever. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He says, listen, the, the flowers don't fret about whether the sun's going to come up or not. The flowers don't stress out if there's going to be enough rain or not. The flowers don't even worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because you know someone's going to pluck them up and give them to, to someone Oh, I better not get into this. I'm sorry. I, I don't understand giving dead flowers as a symbol of your love for someone, but we won't go there, okay? Anyways, <laughs> plucks them up and eventually they die. They throw them in the oven. If God is concerned with clothing them and making them beautiful, how much more will he take care of you? 
And he goes on in verse 29 and says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. He goes on and says, Listen, don't be anxious on how to, take, how to sustain your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't, don't fret over that stuff because, listen, that's the basic necessity that all of mankind needs. Every society needs to have these things, and I know what they need, and I will provide it for them. But then he says, but you're my child. You are my disciple. You are following me. And so if God knows what even the Gentile is, what he's saying, even the heathen, even the one who is sinful, what they need, how much more is your heavenly Father going to clothe and take care of you? I mean, isn't it true, and I hope it is true, that you will take care of your children before you take care of somebody else's children, right? I mean, that's basic. That's how, that's how it works. And so Jesus' point is very clear here. It's very solid. He says, if you, if if." Our Heavenly Father takes the time, listen now, if our Heavenly Father takes the time to sustain a raven, a silly bird, and if God takes the time to take care of the wildflower that's only here one day and thrown in the oven the next, and that's just a little bit of time, but God is concerned about that, how much more will He do the same for those who are His children? How much more important are you? And this is where I see Jesus stand there and go, and this is my conclusion, don't be anxious. Mike drop, walks away. That's it. That's what Jesus says. He's like, okay, here's the conclusion of all this. See all this stuff here? Don't worry about it. Now, how many of you are like me? Because Jesus says, don't worry about it. He's done. Let's, let's move on. How many of you are like me going, Uh, Jesus, I am so thankful that God takes care and supplies all these basic needs that you're talking about. I know He does. I'm so thankful that He does. Um, my worries are a little deeper than that. You ever feel that way? Oh, this is good, but society kind of takes care of the... Uh, Food and the clothing and stuff like that. God is the one who blesses. Don't, don't misunderstand me whatsoever. But when it really, as I read this and as I studied this, and the first thought that came to my mind is, yeah, this, this is good, but, but in the past year and a half, can we just really be bluntly honest? In the past year and a half, my worries, my anxieties, my fears have kind of elevated to a, a little bit of a higher level than that. How about you? I mean, has this world not gone off of its axis? I mean, really, right? I mean, has it not just, I mean, it used to be that I wouldn't watch the news ever because of how bad it is. Now I'm watching the news more than ever because of how bad it is, right? Turn that thing off, for crying out loud. But we're drawn to it, aren't we? We're just like sucked in because certainly it can't be worse today than it was yesterday. Oh, wait a minute. Right? And we're just like, and I, can, can I speak to that just for a minute, just so you understand what, because I'm just like you. Don't, you know, I don't, I don't got it all together up here. I mean, I look like I do. <laughs> but I literally said to myself, I said to myself out loud, I literally said this. I said, self, right? 
Why are you watching news that you can't do anything about? Right? I'm like, all I hear is all these horrible stories of how all these things are happening and what's taking place, and I'm going, what can I do about it? I can go to God, I can pray, I can do those things, absolutely, but I, I'm not in those circles. It's just like, what do I do? So I just want to be real with you today. The thing is, and here's the truth of it, fear is a powerful thing. Fear is a powerful thing. Fear can come in and, and, and control us. And there's not one of us that hasn't dealt with fear to one level or another. Any time in our life. Now, it is true. Listen very carefully. It is true. There is healthy fear. There is good fear. There is fear of sickness that causes us to go to the doctor. There is fear of death that causes us to live a healthy life and to, to manage. There is fear of things that brings a healthy respect in our life. Fear is healthy. Listen now. Fear is healthy when it causes us to do things positive to alleviate the fear. Okay, that's positive. That's good. We have to have a respect for things and have that fear. Unfortunately, though, when we go past that healthy fear comes anxiety and worry. And often, anxiety and worry, well, are harmful and at times become irrational in our lives. And we hold on to them. What happens when this anxiety comes is truth and facts don't calm you. Your mind becomes consumed with doubt. Your everyday actions are changed. It is this anxiety. It is this worry. It is this fear that Jesus addresses even here and says that we are not to have, listen now, and it is sin. It is this anxiety it is this worry that moves us from taking care of something into moving into sin. And we need to be careful. And so Jesus actually addresses this within this context. I, I, I skipped over it, if you notice, that I skipped over verses 25 and 26 because I believe that, what, that this is the heart of what Jesus is getting to in this passage. Verse 25, he says this, he asks a question. And which of you being anxious, being worried, can add a single hour to the span of life? And if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And so I think Jesus is addressing here now the more deep anxieties that we face so so often we say god is in control and we recognize that but then we think god's only in control of kind of the food the drink the the clothing stuff like that can i can i can i give you the end of the story god's in control of all of it god's in control of all of it and listen this world may feel like it's coming off its axis but god has never ever and will never ever lose control Never. So it's interesting that Jesus asks this question. It's interesting that Jesus pulls this out. And, and, and it's, it's so interesting. So he, he just wants you to think about it for a minute. Think about this just for, for a second. So 
this anxiety that you have, and it's real, it's not, it's not that it's not real, and this worry that you're dealing with that, that you, that's consuming you, which is real, it's not that it's not real, what's that doing for you? That's what Jesus is asking. What's that doing for you? Do you think that with that anxiety and that worry, you're going to actually extend your life? So what he says. Now, th- this phrase here is so very important and in interesting in the Greek because it has two applications or two uh, interpretations, if you will. It's either can extend your life or it can help you grow physically is what it talks about. So there's two pictures that are given here. And the first one is this. What do you look like when you're worrying, when you're stressed out, when you're anxious? How many of you know that usually your head is down, your shoulders are slumped, and you're just kind of like this, right? You're just worried. And so it's a play on words. How many of you, when you worry doesn't make you grow, worry makes you slump, makes you decrease? How many of you know that, that worry can't help you extend your life? Are you ready? Oh, but it surely can shorten your life. That's what he's saying. Science has proven that anxiety and worry is one of the root causes to most of the ailments we deal with. And so Jesus is telling us here, you know this worry that you're dealing with, this anxiety that you have, listen, it's, there's no way it can help you. All it can do is harm you. So what's the point that he is making here? He's making the point that, listen, why are you stressed out about things that you don't have control over? Why are you stressing over these things that you cannot control? Because anxiety destroys you physically. But listen now, anxiety destroys you spiritually. Anxiety destroys you spiritually. You know what happens when anxiety comes off? Your eyes come off Jesus and they get focused on the problem. Soon the news and the things in the news and the things that are happening in the world are so overwhelming that we don't think we can get past those things. We come into church and we say the church words and the church things. God is in control and God's going to take care and God is going to do. And we're like, amen and hallelujah and all that stuff. And we go home and say, woe is me. And oh my. And I can't believe that happened. Why? Because we truly don't believe we truly don't accept our eyes come off of jesus we ignore the word of god when anxiety comes in we ignore the word of god we we ignore what it tells us we we ignore the word of god listen this is what we do this is so crazy we ignore the word of god for the lies of the enemy jesus said in this world you will have trouble and we're like, yes, we know we will have trouble and Satan's going to be bad and it's going to be horrible and, and, and it's never, we don't get past that. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, you've done that for everybody else but me. I mean, am I being real today? Is this, is this, isn't this, I mean, I've been there. Haven't you been there? Oh, God, you do it for the, but No. God has overcome the world. He's in control. So we move from the Bible to the lies of the devil, and eventually we walk away from God. We turn away from God. You know, one of the greatest things, listen, are you ready? One of the greatest things that Satan wants to do in your life is to isolate you. If he can isolate you, especially from the people of God and the things of God, then he's won. 
Because he can destroy you and tear you up. He can pull you away. And we turn away from God. There are many people today that are walking away from God because of the fact that they've allowed Satan to isolate them, that they can't believe the word of God and they believe the lies of the enemy and they're, they're walking away and they turn away from God and they turn away from God's people. Why? Because of fear. The Apostle Paul told us, told, tells Timothy, who was a very young pastor, who was getting ready to, to pastor a church, and he's leaving him with this church. He says, listen, you remember, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. You remember that, Timothy, when the hard times come, when the tough times come, when the things come, and he says the same thing to us. This life is not easy. It is difficult. It is hard. There are things that are going to happen that you are not going to like, but they will never, ever be outside of God's plan, and He will always take care of you. Do not fear. Fear is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy. If he can cause you to be afraid, he can destroy your life and walk with God. If he can cause you to be afraid, if he can cause you to have anxiety, if he can cause you to have worry that consumes you, he can destroy your life and your walk with God. So Jesus says, what's anxiety going to do? And then I love this. I love this statement. This is, I just... Again, I laughed out loud when I saw this. If you don't laugh when you read the I laughed out I laughed out loud. I looked at it, it says, and if you are not able to do as small a thing as this, I mean, God, you're talking about me extending my life. That's not a little thing to me. <laughs> right? That's a pretty big thing. And why do you, why, why did I laugh? Why do you say that? Because God's going, that's a puny thing for me. Uh, that's effortless. I can handle that, you know, balancing the universe on one finger, right? I couldn't think of anything big enough. <laughs> My mind doesn't go that far. So I got this under control. He's like, you are so worried about all of these things, and you're so worried about, and can, can I be honest, 99% of the things that we worry about are things that we think are going to shorten our life. We're worried about how we're going to live and how we're going to make it and what's going to, and we're, and we're worried about it. And God says, listen, I've already got it under control. So, here's the question. How do we, how do we deal with anxiety in our lives? Because now let's be real. Can we be real? Anxiety is real. I'm not, I'm not at all saying it's, it's fake or it's not real. Anxiety is real. Worry is real. We are human beings. I texted to my pastor friend this morning as I was trying to finish my thoughts and really trying to gather around this. I said, I said, how in the world am I supposed to get up and preach about not having anxiety when I have anxiety about the message I'm going to preach? <laughs> right? You know? And he texts me back some really good, wise stuff. He says, you're human. And that's the truth. We are human. We are human. We don't get it right and get it down uh, every second of the day. But we have a God that is so big. And so, where anxiety shortens our life, listen now. And you know this. Trusting God will lengthen your life. Trusting God 
will carry you through. Trusting God is what destroys anxiety and worry. But how do we do that? How do, we, how do we really practically trust God? How do we overcome anxiety? Very simply, I want to give you a couple things. First of all, you might want to jot this down. You need to think right. You've got to think right. Well, what does that mean? Well, think the way I do and you're good. No, that's not it. That's not it. Sorry. I want to make sure you're awake. You've got to think right. Listen to the statement very closely. We must focus on factual truth instead of emotional feelings. We must focus on factual truth instead of emotional feelings. Emotions are a roller coaster. Emotions will take you as high as you can go and drop you as low as possible within the blink of an eye. We've got to have something that is consistent all the way through, something that is solid all the way through, something that's going to carry us through with the highs and with the lows, and how do we do this? There's only one way, and you know the answer, but, but you've got to get this. It's got to get into your mind and get into your heart. There's only one way. You must, listen, know, not just read, not just study, you must know the Word of God. You must take the Word of God and you must hide it in your heart. You must know what the Bible says. I don't want to know about the Bible. I don't want to know things about, uh, outside the Bible. I want to know what God's Word says. I want that in my life. I've got to know what it is. Why? Because, listen, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. It'll be on the screen for you. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we live in this body of flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. Did you catch that? Our main battle, our main fight is not what's happening physically in this world. It's not about the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You have the power of God in you by the power of the Holy Spirit to destroy strongholds in your life. What's a stronghold? Anxiety. Worry. Stronghold, you break it, how? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Listen, the knowledge of God is here. If you don't know it, you can't fight against it. Do you hear me? If you don't know what the Bible says, and if you don't know what the Word of God says, and you don't have it applied into your life, then the fiery darts of the devil and the things of this world and the, and the spiritual things will get you every single time because we are able to and supposed to, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. How do we do it? By taking every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought that comes into our life, what does Christ say about that? Everything that comes into our heart, what does Christ say about that? And I I can tell you exactly what Christ says about it. It's right here. I mean, as a matter of fact, my Bible's red because those are the words of Jesus, right? (laughs) Right? I mean, we're reading what Jesus said. And so we take every thought captive to the obey Jesus Christ. Well, what are the thoughts of Christ? Well, Paul tells us very plainly in Philippians chapter 4. Look what he says. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, okay, finally, whatever is true, the word of God, whatever is honorable, 
the Word of God, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, all those are the Word of God. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Whatever comes into our life, whatever comes into our mind, how does Jesus think about that? What does Jesus think about that? Or what does God's Word say about that? Or how does, how does that filter through God's Word? Everything that comes into our life, especially the negative, must be filtered through the Word of God. And we must think about it the way that Christ thinks about it. But then we also need to, so very importantly, not only must we think right, but we must believe right. We must believe right, not, not about salvation, but listen, sometimes we know the Word of God. Sometimes we have the Word of God hid in our hearts, but how many of you have ever struggled with this? And I said it earlier, I want to say it again, well, that applies to so-and-so, but that doesn't apply to me. Well, God will do that for so-and-so, but they're not going to do it for me. God is no respecter of persons. If he says he will do it, guess what? And by the way, you want to win a trivia question here. This is, this is for Jeopardy someday for you. The one thing God can't do for sure is he can't lie. It's completely against his character. Is there something God can't do? Yeah, he can't lie to you. So if he tells you, if he puts it in his word, if he tells us what he has, we need to hold on to that and we need to believe that. But then we need to trust right as well. We need to, not only must we think right, but we must also believe right and we must trust right. And that is this, the only person that we can totally and completely trust is God. It can't be just lip service. It must be Completely true. Listen, if I told you, if I just, if I, if I, I'm going off camera, that's all right. I'm still here, people. If I stepped out here and I told you, well, I believe I can stand on that stage and it's going to hold me, but I never, ever stood on that stage, do I truly believe it? Do I truly trust it? No. Because trust is action. Trust means you must apply it. You must do it. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Guess what? There's going to be things in this world you're not going to understand, but God's got it. You're not going to understand. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your stra your, your, straight your path. He'll make your path straight. Now here's the thing. Why do you need to worry about having a straight path? Because you're going to walk that path. Right? Who cares if the path's straight if I'm just going to stand here? Well, I trust you, God. I completely trust you, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to apply anything. I'm just going to, I'm safe here. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to go forward. I'm not going to move. This is good. Well, you're not trusting God. Because God wants you to move, wants you to move forward. I love this. Isaiah said these words in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. To trust him, he says, Listen, God speaking, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. You know what that means? That means God knows the end 
from the beginning. He doesn't know the beginning from the end. Why? Because he's already been at the end and he goes to the beginning. Wherever you go, God is there and he's got it under control. You don't walk through any of this alone. God doesn't say oops. And I make a joke about that all the time. It's like, angels, come here. Do you see what happened? I didn't. That's funny, but it's true. Do you understand that? It's true. God knew exactly what was going to happen today. God knew exactly what's going to happen now. God knows what you're going to do later today. God knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen to you a month ago. You don't, but he does. As a matter of fact, David writes this in Psalm 139. This is a great chapter of, of, God talking, uh, of David talking about how God knew him before he was even born. And in verse number 16, I just love this. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, listen, listen now, every one of them, what? What, what was written there? What, 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 what's there, David? Every one of them, what? The days that were formed for me. God knows your days. God knows your birth. God knows your death. And guess what? Because he knows it, it ain't changing. God is sovereign. God is in control. What was written down for me? The days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them before I was ever born. Now, this is where I have to put the Lord, you know those warning labels that are on every piece of, you know, the, the, the blow dryer and stuff like that? That doesn't mean you go out into the highway and go run around the cars while they're driving by you, right? I'm invincible. Well, no, God tells us and gives us common sense. But God does know. And God is in control. We must think right. We must believe right. We must trust right. Trust God. And then Jesus finishes up his talk here in telling us how we are to focus as a result of this. We must focus right. And look what he says here. It says in verse 31, instead, so Jesus, instead, instead of what? Instead of worrying, once you have thought right and then you believed right and then you trusted right, here's now what you're supposed to do. Seek his kingdom. And there's a promise to this. Seek the things of God, what? And all of these things will be added unto you. See, God has it all worked out for us. He says, listen. Forget worrying about all that stuff. Forget worrying even about your life. Seek me and what I have for you. Obey my word. Follow my word. Do what I, what I say for you. And guess what? I'll make sure that everything else works out for you. Don't worry about it. Do what I've called for you. Follow me. And when you follow me, you've got a guarantee that I'm taking care of it. And then he, said, then he says it, fear not, don't fear. Don't fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God loves providing for you. He has provided his kingdom for you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, do you recognize you're just simply passing through this place? That this is not your home, but your home is in glory with God. He's already got your mansion all built. That really just simply means a room with God, so don't get all worked up. 
right? But he's already got a place for you. He's already got it prepared. And one day he's coming. God loves to give you his kingdom. And so what does he say here? You go, well, this gets radical. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, instead of worrying, invest your life in the things of God. Instead of worrying, minister for me. You know, I found this to be very true in my life. I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life, but you know what? When I become anxious about things in my life, you know what remedies that really quick? Is going and helping somebody else. Going and loving somebody else, going and praying with somebody else, going and ministering with somebody else, getting involved in that. Why? Why? Because it strengthens me up, it builds my faith, it, it's, it brings me closer to God. And it reveals my heart. It reveals my heart. And my heart is this. God, I want to do whatever you want me to do to bring you honor and glory. And if you're a believer, you have the same heart. You may struggle with it, but you have the same heart. Because that's, that desire is given to you by God. And where's your heart at? Is your heart wrapped up in anxiety? Is your heart wrapped up in worry? Are you consumed by what is going on in this world? Or is your heart wrapped up in God? And the fact that my God is in control. And the fact that my God is carrying me through. And the fact that I don't walk into anything that I don't go into without my God with me. That I don't face anything in my life ever alone that I can serve Him and that I can be with the people of God and do the things of God and, and follow what God has in the, and obey God in my life. Why? Because God is always, always, always with me and protecting me. Always. So we need to think right. We need to believe right. We need to trust right. We need to focus right so that we can push anxiety and worry out of our lives. And you know what? All this wraps up into two simple words that I want you to take with you on a consistent basis. And I want you to ask yourself this, th these words or say these words. And really this, trust God. Don't let it be just a, a phrase. Don't let it just be words that you say. Let, ask yourself, ask your heart, ask your life, am I really trusting God? Am I really trusting Him? Am I really following the Word of God? Am I really thinking that God is going to do this? Am I really ministering for Him? Am I really trusting Him? Because we are living in a day and age that if we don't step up and trust God, we're going to lose the ministry that God has for us. We are getting ready, church. We are on the verge and maybe even stepped over the fact that ministry is going to cost us. It's going to start costing us big. I believe that with all of my heart. And you are not going to stand for God. And you are not going to follow through with God, what God calls us to do and minister unless you truly trust Him. The word games are gone. Playing the games in the church are gone. Saying God's in control and not living like God's in control is gone. Saying I trust God but, but not living like you trust God is gone. And you know what? Listen to me. 
you know what? That is good, and that is God's plan. That is good, and that is God's plan, because we have a world now that is really seeing true darkness that we can go out and reach. What's that worrying going to do for you? It's going to help you grow another foot? No. It's going to tear you down. It's going to weigh you down. And let me leave you with this. God does not ever want you to carry your burdens alone. Cast your anxieties. Where? On Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He cares for you. Trust God. Will you stand with me in God's house today? Father God, anxiety is real. You know it. We all deal with it. But God, I thank you that you're bigger than it. I thank you that you are in control of all things. Father, I do not in any way want anybody walking out if you're feeling beat up that they deal with anxiety. That is not what you are saying. You're saying there's a remedy, there's help. Give it to you and trust you and walk with you and you'll take care of the anxiety of their heart. Lord, I pray that would be the confession of, these, uh, of all of us today and that you would work in us to be used of you. I pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless you. If you can help us move some chairs, Kim, I'm going to ask you to kind of organize that, would you? See, Kim, once everybody's moved out of the way.